Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We provide fan-oriented and analytic discussions on a variety of animated shows, movies, and anime, including Steven Universe, Gravity Falls, Ruby, and Rick and Morty. I'm your main host, Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Melanie Moyer. Hello. Uh, today, Mel and I will be continuing our Pixar rewatch, uh, <laughs> going this time with Ratatouille. Mm-hmm. Which Mel selected for some reason. I don't know. We're kind of not you, going you in put, order, but put me on the spot. Yeah, I mean, I was happy with that. This is we've gone through my first and second favorite Pixar movies now, so this it'll, it'll, it's only downhill from from here for me. But <laughs> it's interesting because I hadn't seen Ratatouille in quite a while. Mm-hmm. It came out in two thousand seven, which is wow. yeah, much like Wally. Seems seems like it was much more recent than that. It's almost it ten not. years ago uh yeah it's eight years ago (laughs) so almost 10 (laughs) yeah that's how that works okay so yeah we'll be discussing (laughs) ratatouille this is a retrospective so we won't really be reviewing it as much as talking about how we think of it now compared to how we thought of it before and how the movie's aged and stuff like that and we'll probably be doing this for every pixar movie over the next couple months i mean we're going pretty fast through them so maybe it'll only take like a month and a half but uh yeah, and if it's your first time listening, you can get all the information on this podcast at overlyanimated.com. Uh, so let's get into Ratatouille, um, directed by Brad Bird. Uh, like we said, 2007 release. Um, Mel, what did you think? So we both rewatched the movie, of course, before this. Mel, what did you think this time of Ratatouille? When's the last time you'd seen it? Um, what did you think of it originally? How has your opinions changed? I had not seen it in like years. Um, <clears throat> so when I when I first saw it, it was again it was one of those sort of surprise at how good it was, which I learned to not be surprised anymore at Pixar films since then. In the eight years since uh, those movies have come out, um, but it was interesting because I think it was an interesting concept going in, and it was just executed really well. And watching it now, one thing that I kind of thought about a lot was again the sort of dual narratives kind of like wally that were going on here between remy and and all he was trying to do with learning how to be a chef and passing himself off as a chef and like linguine stuff with colette and just the restaurant and how it uh it came together it was more intertwined than than wally stuff um but it's clearly two different elements i think and i liked that a lot so you liked it uh liked it quite a bit this time? Yeah. You think more or less than from before? Um, I think it's I mean it's hard to say because I've seen it before. I'm I still love it a lot. It's still one of my top Pixar movies. So um I'd say I guess a little bit less enchanted with it now, but that's also because I know at this point. I mean when I went to go see it in theaters again, it was just a surprise at how good it was for what the uh plot seemed to be from the trailers and what i had read online so about the same maybe a little less uh, yeah impressed. just maybe just like any movie seeing mm-hmm. it for the second time as opposed to the first time yeah yeah i guess i'm i think i'm about the same way uh when i saw it ratitude is one of my favorite not only pixar movies but movies of all time and rewatching it here i kind of felt similarly i had the same kind of general uh criti- like not criticisms but like critical viewpoints on the movie and we'll go over those and i don't i'm like wally where i kind of have like a different perspective on it and you can go listen to our one on that to like 
hear more about that. This one I think is pretty similar on maybe the viewpoints on um, media criticism, I think, stand out more. But I was aware of those at the time, too, which is interesting because I was like 15 or something. But uh, it's this movie, it's it, it does have a lot going on. There's like, I, I don't know, there's like two main messages at the end with like the all the... Uh, the cooking stuff and then the media criticism but then there's also Remy has two plot lines and then there's Linguini and none of it I don't think any of it's particularly well done from a narrative perspective which is interesting I'm I don't know we'll go over Mel would have more to say on this but like as this movie I don't think any of its specific plot threads are that great but mm-hmm. I think it all comes together just very well at the end like to me this movie starts off like mediocre and then gets incredible um, and it just it's basically just does goes up and up and up uh, the entire time. Whereas to me, Wally was like great and then stays great the entire time. Uh, so I think it's just for that reason, this is probably worse than Wally, but it's still, it's just great in different ways. Maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I guess, I don't know when we're watching it, the first thing, and I did remember thinking that, um, I had remembered that the beginning wasn't all that great. Um, but uh, when rewatching it, I was, you know, pretty pretty bored. I would say by Remy and the rats in the beginning, um, the entire sequences with them escaping from the old lady's house and stuff like that. I don't know if any of that told narrative weight. No, I mean it's an interesting way to start. I guess like it, for the first few seconds of it happening, it's kind of an attention grabber. But I'm not a fan of sort of chase scenes in that sense, um, especially not with rats <laughs> so i think it's fun and it's a nice opener but i don't think it no i don't think it it serviced the character or the story at all besides sort of the plot pushing remy to where it needed him to be do you think remy ends up being a particularly good character um i'm i think Linguini's a better character of the two and i actually think maybe even Colette's a better character than remy i think remy remy's sort of very static and a little bit one note um, not to say that Linguini and Colette have deep things going on for them, but that, I, that's what I would say. I would say I'm not sure there's one good character in this entire yeah. movie. Like that's it. My general like thing on this movie is it's great in spite of the fact that none of its plot lines are particularly engaging or none of its characters are particularly great. Mm-hmm. Which is I don't know. I can't think of another movie that I would say the same things about. I think this this one's weirdly plot driven. Um, if you compare it to like Wally, which. Kind of, I guess, maybe Wally's not the best example. Something like The Incredibles, I guess, where it's like clearly character-driven and it's character actions and consequences of that that's sort of driving what happens. In Ratatouille, it's very plot-centric and plot-driven. And these are the things that have... Like the opening sequence where Remy's chased out of the house and he ends up in Paris. That's, yeah, that's true. That's all. It's all very plot driven yeah i also think over the course of the movie i care much more about remy like successfully becoming a chef than i do about like um any specific uh like anything with linguini's character or colette Mm -hmm. or you know i don't it's just like the direction of the narrative i guess um is what's maybe more important uh yeah i'm not sure how successful the remy and his family um parts of this movie are and they're kind of pervasive throughout the entire film yeah and it's very it's very typical as well. It's not Yeah. It's not a new new family dynamic. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I just never really particularly cared if Remy was accepted by his family or as if he cared about that or I mean I thought it was kind of interesting, but at the same time, um, it's all just very 
I think it's the, the sort of flaw in that is maybe how they characterized his dad because he wasn't a sympathetic person and wasn't someone that I wanted Remy to get approval from, you know, yeah, like yeah. It, was, it was a very typical sort of like New York street dad. And yeah, I just had no reaction to that. Yeah. And it's also like the conflict is instigated by the concept of the film, which is hard. It would you like, which is you accept because it's the foundations of the mythology of the movie in that Remy is this um, rat with human um sensibilities even more so than the fact that the rats can talk and stuff but uh even like even more so he like understands like tastes and culture and stuff like that and it's like okay i can accept that but then like we're gonna drive the plot with remy through his disconnect with other rats through that um i don't know it's it's it didn't i guess it doesn't really hit for me that much no i guess i don't think it was like sort of important disconnect either you know i mean i guess you could you could look at it and say like oh it's sort of humanity and culture and understanding that but essentially what it gets down to is that he wanted to cook and the rats didn't want that so it's not there's no there's no real sort of heart in or like driving emotion behind that sort of schism and what remy wanted to do i guess yeah and i think what's yeah, it's like very simple. We get it. Okay, enough with that. But then what's interesting is what comes out of it. I think it's pretty great, which is the film's depiction of um, of cooking. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I think the Remy's descriptions and how they animate, like, the combining flavors and how they do the, the scenes in the kitchen um, once he gets to gusto's like i think all that is incredibly well done and probably better than any i haven't i don't know if i've seen the great cooking movies or what those would be but i this is definitely the best depiction of cooking and cooking movie i've ever seen yeah yeah i think the only i i don't really i haven't really dabbled in the genre of yeah so (laughs) like i I don't know i'm not someone who really gets like the like cooking in general, I'm not much, that much of a cook. Oh, maybe I will be at some point. But like combining things and understanding like the art of it, like I don't really get it like in real life. But this movie kind of makes me get it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I buy into it from this movie, uh, which mm-hmm. I think is really cool. Uh, I don't know. We we like I guess what what I'm trying to build up to here is that um, this movie's great in spite of these <laughs> uh, individual elements that don't work. But uh, what, let's talk about Linguini, I guess, for a little bit. He's, um, it's, it's interesting because he's not the main character, um, but he's kind of treated as a main character. He's like the prototypical uninteresting male lead, uh, but we don't get to get inside his head because he's not the actual lead of the movie. So I feel like that's, we're, we're already not starting off on a great, great footing here with him. Yeah. Um, he's just pretty boring to start with. And of course he, he's relatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's young male, um, you know, it's not inherent maybe more inherently sympathetic to the general viewing audience than to me who have kind of soured towards um young male main characters at this point but uh i don't know he's just he's just kind of there i think for a lot of the film do you think his character ever reaches a point yeah you said you like thought his depiction was better than remy when do you think he gets to a point where he um is more than just uh the vehicle for remy um I kind of like the sort of bit, I guess, with the montages when he turns into kind of a big shot when they realize, like, that he's, like, in the will for the restaurant and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, I just, I, maybe I just liked 
his character better, like watching his character, not necessarily I related with it, but I thought it was more entertaining to watch him than it was to watch Remy. Yeah. Um, so I like that bit about him. I loved the sort of klutzy animation on him. Yeah. Um, and the design was actually fairly good too, even though I hate that soul patch that he's got like on his <laughs> chin. But yeah, I mean, if anything, I think it's just, it's more entertaining to watch him than it was to sort of watch Remy's stuff, even if he wasn't, it's, yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely sort of a supporting character who's kind of thrust at you meant to be read as a main character, but he doesn't have that characterization at all. So, and he's probably one of the weakest characterized sort of uh, Pixar characters as well, of, as far as human people go, with the exception of, I suppose, being the parents in Inside Out. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's kind of inherent due, due to, like, the concept of the movie, right? Because he's yeah. just this... He's kind of... He's this, literally the puppet. Yeah, he is literally the puppet. Uh, it's interesting, because um, you mentioned the... Uh, when he's kind of thrust into power, uh, Linguini. And I think that happens, like, at least halfway through the movie, if not a little more. Yeah. So I'm like, what what happens in the first half of the movie that's interesting with him or with Remy or... Um, I guess he's, like, training with Colette. I, okay, so, so I think Colette kind of makes uh, Linguini pretty interesting. But um, she's even more of a supporting character than Linguini. And she kind of gets this introduction where... Um, uh, with, where she's basically depicted as this uh, feminist character in um, in this male-centric field, which I do really like that they say, although it's only once, and they say it once, and they continue to only have a male-dominated field, despite the fact that they, like, lampshade it. It's still there. Um, but it's, it's a nice introduction for her, and she's just this prototypical tough female um, who's successful. What do you think of Colette? Uh, I liked her a lot. Um, she was a character that they really didn't use too much, I think, in the um, trailers for it. So it was kind of a nice surprise seeing her. Uh, again, there's like one thing going on with her and that's about it. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, most of her plot then gets relegated to her and Linguini. Because when Linguini gets, takes over the restaurant, she kind of sidesteps and doesn't really do much for the rest of the movie. And even at the end, you know, it's Remy who's coming up with the uh, plan to to serve the ratatouille. So I think her first scene with Linguini is really good and the sort of training bits. But after that, she kind of just sort of falls in the background. Yeah. Um, I don't really understand her romance with Linguini. It's kind of like it's, it, you could, the, the pessimistic depiction of what they do with it is that she's just waiting for, she's this tough woman who wants a guy to be assertive with her. You know, like, mm. I feel like that's a reasonable interpretation, which is terrible. Uh, like, that's like the worst thing in the world. I hate that. Um, but you can also give the movie the benefit of the doubt and just treat that as her having like, uh, as, as like, there is build up between them. And then it was the culmination of whatever, because like the scene when they kiss is him, um, like being forced into it, I guess, by Remy, I don't, and it's it's hard for me to get away from that first interpretation because it's kind of there. Yeah. Um, it's she's still and she is kind of relegated after that because then Linguini takes over the restaurant and she's still second and she doesn't. There's at one point towards the end the movie does try to legitimize her as like a 
significant player in the kitchen with like Linguini's sticking up for her saying Colette can cook too and like she's seen cooking alongside Remy um but ultimately she doesn't really do anything to like to like solve the conflict of the movie she's just kind of yeah she's kind of like an obstacle she gets, she gets for, handed the recipe card for yeah she's like she's like yeah and she's like follow the recipe and then remy um i don't know it's it's all it's all she's just an obstacle for remy to overcome really yeah yeah it's like even so i guess my point is that even though this movie lampshades um uh like if this feminist character in lampshades the male dominated field it's not i wouldn't call this a feminist movie by any means no especially since all the rats are also uh male she's they're male yeah male gendered she's like the only female uh in the uh movie yeah maybe there's another side character but that's it um and it sucks too because she's she's antagonistic for like the first half of the movie it isn't necessarily bad it's just it, it it's like you said it's it's portrayed as something that remy and linguini have to overcome so it's you're not necessarily rooting for her because her i think her thing is that she wants to be she's a sous chef i think right and she wants to be the head chef and that I, doesn't happen. I don't think she's specifically the sous chef, but I'm not sure. She's the something. Hold she's on. something. I mean, it's something French. She's the... Uh, Hold on, wait, it's on Wikipedia. Rotissue. The manage, she manages a team of cooks that roast, broils, and deep fries. That's all, my cat. All okay, we're going to walk away from the cat. <laughs> no, the cat's great background noise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I like, I want to like her character. And I like she's I don't I don't I don't see her as antagonistic like at all in the movie, but I can understand that that's kind of how she functions within the plot. She's like I don't know how to describe it. She's an opposing force mm-hmm. to Remy, but Remy doesn't like not like her. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. It's a hurdle. She's a hurdle. It, it's it's tough. This depiction, like the depictions in this movie, there's nothing overtly um sexist about the movie but at the same time it's clearly not it's like sexist by omission though yeah and it's also like one of those ones where a lot of people are listening probably of the response how this movie's like so sophisticated and it's so classy and like what it's just realistically portraying the state of the world and it's like that's not um it's not an ex- it's not an it's, excuse. A, it's a talking rat it's not there's no yeah well there's one no it's realistic. a talk <laughs> one it's a talking rat too uh it's it's that um like i know that the movie isn't going to be blatantly sexist because it's taking it's like i don't know i, I think like classy or like cultured and stuff like that but it also doesn't mean it's it, it can kind of be those that can kind of be like the most type of sexist thing yeah. is um this like reinforcing of the current state of beings by the current state of affairs by um like what's sophisticated in our thing being dominated by men i also it's kind of like first of all the phrase strong female character is problematic in itself but the fact that sort of people in situations like this like they think the the portrayal that gets you the sort of feminist female character is like a really aggressive and really go-getter woman and just super duper like she's a workaholic and she's like says herself she's fighting against um the sort of patriarchy of her profession which is fine because it is realistic but at the same time i think it kind of flies in the face of the fact that there are so many other ways to depict women that are 
stronger representations of characters and narrative arcs. And this is just sort of that stereotypical quote unquote strong female character TM. This is maybe one of the most prototypical examples of a strong female character inserted into a male dominated movie. Yeah. And it's like supposed to be um take away from that fact. Yeah. It's 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 not necessarily one of the things that I think about most about it, but um, it is going to prevent me from saying this is like one of my favorites of all time, even though it's cl- it re- like quality wise, it should be there. Um, yeah. Um, we can come back to that, but uh, other narrative elements before we get to the main thing, which is the end of the movie. Um, what do you think of the like ghost of Gusto um, as like a uh narrative thing inside Remy's head. How do you think that functions within the story? I mean, that's a typical that's a typical I, you hate when I bring this up, but it 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 proliferates all storytelling. It's a typical point used in sort of the monomyth and hero's journey. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can it's because of Gilgamesh. We're all just rewriting Gilgamesh. But um yeah, I mean, that's a very typical thing. I forget specifically what Well, it's how do called. you think how do you think it's used here? It, it's it's mostly comedy, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because it's like Remy's depiction of Gusto in his head. It's not necessarily supposed to be Gusto, like, sitting on his shoulder like the actual ghost. I think it's just Remy's sort of representation of his sort of, like, inner conscience taking on the image of Gusto, which is interesting. Um, but I think it's more comedy than anything else. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think much of it. <laughs> it was there. <laughs> It was kind of a um, simultaneously comedy and um, expositional device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the uh, Skinner, the uh, antagonist? The uh, the chef. Yeah. Uh, I think the characterization there was good. And by characterization, I mean like characteristics and quirks, not character with a capital C. It kind of seems like more of a Disney villain than many Pixar movies have. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. He's just yeah. not. He doesn't need to. He was. He was based on someone. I forget who. I can't pronounce French words. So. So we we might as well not even try. So, so yeah, just yeah. know that somewhere in the world there's someone he's based. Yeah. On. Well, yeah. So is Gusto. Yeah. Um. It's. I don't think he needs to be sympathetic, and I think he's, I guess, comedic enough that it doesn't matter. I don't know. Yeah. Just driving. That's what I said. All these. If you break this movie down into individual plot elements, none of them are going to be good. I'm telling you. Like this is what we're doing now, and we're like, this is not great. This is not great. Okay, but now let's talk. About I, I love the movie, but this is that's you know. <laughs> no, but I'm, this is this is it comes together, and this is what I'm. Let's get into the ending of it because yeah. um, the ending with uh, ego, the uh, food critic, is. I think I think the entire scene of from when he gets the food to um, once his monologue finishes is arguably one of the greatest scenes ever in anything um, to me at least it's it's just so meaningful and it comes it just it's so it's also like the one of the most valuable scenes I would say to any movie like okay so yeah but yeah this movie without that scene I think is quality wise is not there but also just like. Uh, like take away from the movie is nothing like i don't know Mm -hmm. like it's still a good even without the final scenes the movie is still a great depiction of of the art of cooking and it's one of the best like depictions for me as as a non-artist um it's kind of i mean i guess some something about podcasting is art but not really (laughs) probably not uh in theory in theory it's it's as someone who's not super familiar with um 
general things with art. It's one of the best understandable depictions of art in media yeah. that I've seen, and I really like uh, all the visuals and narrative elements they do with it. But include the end of the scene, and it also talks better than maybe any movie ever ever about media criticism, um, which is super interesting. Uh, so I just think that, um, first of all, we have, uh, that Remy prepares Ratatouille for ego and then, uh, he gets this random flashback to his childhood, um, which I'm not sure if people react to it. Like for, to me, I'm like fine with it, but you, I feel like a reasonable reaction to that would be like, what? <laughs> this is no, yeah. <laughs> that had no build up, and it lasts like five seconds. What are you doing? Uh, yeah. I don't know. What, do, do you have that reaction or do you think it, you buy it? No, I bought it completely because it, it, it they didn't linger on it. It happened. It just happened. Yeah. Monologue, and then it was done. It was like, all right, that, that, that works. And then so. it also, and then it also just ties in perfectly to the next, which is, I don't know when does he monologue about things? Is it right after that? Or is it it's like right a, after that? Because he likes, Oh, he cause like, it's, comes it's out of his re- flashback and it's then, his review. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let me read this. Cause I have this here. We're not, so the first part of it is general. Um, and some of the most profound stuff like ever written about media criticism. And then the second part is like specific to the movie. So I guess the first part is more interesting. Uh, in many ways, the work of a critic is easy. <laughs> Cat. We risk very little, yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and themselves to our judgment. We thrive on negative criticism, which is fun to write and to read. But the bitter truth we critics must face is that in the grand scheme of things, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism designating it so. But there are times when a critic truly risks something, and that is the, in the discovery and defense of the new. The world is often unkind to the to new talent, new creations. They need the new needs friends. Um, yeah. So, like yeah. this is so like ultimately what this movie is is it's a depiction of art and of people's reactions to art. Yeah. Uh, no, as someone who who majored in a creative field and makes my hopefully will make my my living off of creative fields. It's very nice to hear um, just because the, you know, it's, it's, it's surprising, I think, coming from Pixar and Disney, um, but at the same time not because, again, huge corporation, huge film <coughs> corporation going to, you know, they probably, I, well, then again, they probably don't even care, but it's just, it just, I, 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 I do, I love that monologue a lot. Uh, what's your reaction to it? Do you think it's like true? Do you think it's uh, like an accurate representation of the way things are? Do you think it's maybe a simplification or do you think it's right? I think um, it is a little bit of an oversimplification because I do think a lot of criticisms and a lot of critics make very good points. And mm-hmm. I like to read a lot of what they, they talk about. And there's different types of criticism. It's not just this is good, this is bad. It's talking about genres or talking about different mediums and just sort of analyzing them is also a form of criticism. So I think it, he followed me up here. <laughs> um, I think it, uh, it is on the one hand an oversimplification and sort of a romanticizing of a really great idea. But at the same time, I also love hearing that a lot because I think it sort of digs back at people who would turn essentially any form of creative output into a marketable commodity. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what criticism is about. It's you shouldn't buy this or you shouldn't do that or go see this movie because dot, dot, dot. And it, and it, it's all about marketing and getting a profit. I think what, what this monologue does is says, Hey, these things are created and they're probably a lot better than we give them credit for. And 
the fact that they were created from scratch in the first place is commendable. So, yeah, I mean, so in the beginning, it's just it's basically making the general point of negative criticism has no value, um, which I think is um, I think I think it's something that needs to be said, but I think it's also that's something that's been said before. And I think it's something we, we realize like, yeah, like we give legitimacism to the negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and they count as much as the positive reviews and we care too much about us film's Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, but I feel like, at least for me, this is generally in the the discourse of uh, film and television. It's like, yeah, okay, negative review, whatever. It's not that important. But then I think it gets even more meaningful when it talks about how um, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism designating it so. Like the the value in creating new things and new um form new um, works of art, uh, I think is, and that and that um in the face of um, uh, media criticism to it, I think is really um something that sticks out to me and is something that's not necessarily always uh talked about. It kind of also hits on that that saying that critics are sort of disgruntled members of their own field and that's sort of what they do now um so specifically that line that you know the the average piece of junk is more meaningful than our criticism designating itself because we're in at this point like you said with rotten tomatoes where people like sort of thrive off reading film reviews and and book reviews and tv show reviews more so than actually sitting down and going to see it blank slate without without all that that chatter around it so Mm -hmm. yeah and the second part i think of this because yeah it talks about stuff specific to it but then it says um uh in the past i've made no no secret of my disdain for chef gusteau's famous motto anyone can cook but i realize only now do i truly understand what he meant not everyone can become a great artist but a great artist can come from anywhere yeah yeah i think that's also pretty great and that's that's like so like I think there's that's like kind of the tie to the rest of the movie because I think yeah. this scene can kind of seem random, but if you look at it from a, from a lens of art creation and um, and consumption of that art, right? Like the Chef Gusto's motto is really what's permeating the movie, and yeah. I think is really what ties it all together here. And I think it's nice that it sort of transcends that idea of cooking and just extends to all sort of creative fields as well, because I feel like that was one of the things that I didn't connect with so well was that it was about cooking, and again, like I don't like you said, like, I don't really have an attachment to cooking and Mm. the idea of cooking and the art of it, but the way the, the monologue was worded where it ends with not just cooking, like art in general, like no matter what it is you do is can come from anywhere is really what, what, what makes that monologue great. I think is that it, it sort of permeates all creative fields. Yeah. I love that. He, I love that Brad Bird, uh, had like the, the chutzpah to write this in a way that um would get it to that would like just make a broad general statement about our planet like in mm-hmm. the at the end of this at the end of the statement because this can so easily seem just corny and not and like uh contrived um but i love that he gets to um that that line with anyone can become a great artist but a great artist can come from anywhere i love that he uses the word artist i I'm not I sometimes you should throw the 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 theme in the audience's face. I I think that there are occasions when you really should do that. Um because here this movie is really subtle before uh, before the scene is is really subtle with what it's about. 
Um, and it's not to say what it's about. We're not just going to break. It's not like none of the character depictions and anything of that have no meaning, right? But just in terms of like message and um, stuff like that, it's it's I you don't get it before here. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's 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 poignant enough that you can make this statement, this general worldview statement, which I think often just seems contrived, but here is really not, and is really just truly meaningful to me. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I don't know. Do you have this same 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 type of reaction to this uh, to this scene that I do? Yeah, I mean, everything up until that point was very specific and very area specific. It was about Remy wanting to cook, Linguini sort of coming into his own as a cook, and this ended up being about sort of creativity as a whole and the way we sort of look at and that's creativity in anything even too like even i think like innovations and inventions when he talks about we were afraid of the new and that sort of thing mm-hmm. um so i think yeah brad bird did a great job of just sort of painting and a great broad stroke over just creating things in general which broad strokes don't tend to work out so it it, it towed a line and it towed the right side of the line um and I just think it was a very well-crafted and the way it was portrayed too, like instead of, you know, it doesn't come out as like him monologuing after eating, it's his review. So I think the way it, um, the, the medium they sort of used in the film to get it across is very good. Yeah. Just in the context of it, it's incredible. I mean, it's with this character who we do, we barely seen before this last scene, but it's still great. Like they insert one scene of him before this, of him coming, but uh, it's, I think it makes Ego like one of the most memorable characters from this movie. It's not the most memorable character, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, the most important one. It's he's like the the old the old age of art, artistic criticism, right? Like the yeah. old the old guard is kind of what he is, and then um, it's about embracing uh, the value inherent value of things artistically and uh, embracing new, new creations. Um, I don't know. To me, this 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 just makes this movie just so much more, you know, meaningful than maybe even any other Pixar movie. Uh, like, I, Wally has great take on messages, and that would be the other one I would put up here. Like, I also just get a ton out of like the evilness of corporationism from Wally. But this is like such a that even that's like politically charged, and this is just kind of like I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's just to me, it just takes on. It, like I said, just very meaningful. Mm-hmm. I also think it makes the um, the kind of epilogue of the film, which comes after this, also kind of ties in. It's also very wonderful. Um, even though it moves fast, we don't know what they're doing, they make a new restaurant, whatever. Uh, it's all great, all very happy emotions. Um, just a very positive reaction to the, the entire ending. Yeah. <clears throat> do you think this... How do you think this film functions within the context of, like film i don't know how film. to describe that but like <laughs> but do you think this is seen as what we're talking about like this very meaningful stance on artistic uh, creation yeah and i think it was a very unique way of getting there um because if this had been live action it would have been some sort of like indie like the artist or something like that where it is very straightforward the whole movie and it is sort of like punched in your face the entire movie this i feel like got there in a surprising way and it tied the rest of the film together and the sort of overarching theme that came out in the end through Ego's monologue informed upon and probably bettered the rest of the movie that came before it too. So. Do, you, do you think in the context of the world that people think of this movie at all? Our, like our world? <laughs> yes, our world. 
Like, yeah, I mean, it was a big deal when it came out. Um, I don't think people take away from it necessarily what we might take away from it. I think they it's still more about, and the way it's still marketed now is more about cooking and and that sort of thing. But I mean, it's definitely there, and that monologue is very blatant. So it is definitely very blatant. Yeah, it's. I don't know. To me, this should be like one of the foremost movies about um, filmmaking and and stuff like that in general. Like, uh, like, like the filmmaking community, especially recently, is super big on embracing movies about making film. The uh, the Oscars, that's number one shoe and thing that yeah. will get you in there. And like you, the current example of Bird it this year, well, well, yeah, Birdman, and this year is um, Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl um, mm. is like an indie coming of age movie. But there, it's really, it, I mean, that won every award at Sundance, mostly in part because it's also a movie about filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I think it's fine to like for a group of people to embrace talk movies that are <laughs> to talk about themselves as finding that more meaningful. Like, I think that's just kind of nature is to find um, human nature to find things. Stephen about King us more. always writes about writers. Yeah, like I think it's and I think it's fine to place more value on that. But I also just like I think this movie should be like one of the number one entries in that category to me because even yeah. though it's not about filmmaking, it's about filmmaking, right? Like, no, and it is, and there's so many things you could pick apart from egos. Um, review between like how difficult it is to be someone who's a filmmaker or a creative type how difficult it is to deal with media criticism and how stupid media criticism can be sometimes and how it's sort of worshipped when it really shouldn't be and there's just a lot of things going on in there that permeates the entire like filmmaking writing artistic field that maybe people didn't take away as much as they should have but yeah, I mean, that's I think fair. I think people took it away. I'm just I just concerned with people still not talking about this movie at all. Well, right? that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not something that held up as like the sort of one of the the great move one of the great scenes talking about creativity in filmmaking. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, this one this is one of the movies that was um, like a few years before the Oscars started doing the five to ten best best picture nominees, and yeah. this and Wally would have been nominated for a best picture if they had that rule in place before the toy story three year uh i think both of them would have been actually but uh so it might not be seen going forward as remembered as one of the all-time greats but i think it really should be one last specific point do you think this um do you think this kind of monologue is um unfair to criticism do you think it kind of strips it away of any value well, like I said, it's kind of oversimplifying criticism because criticism comes in a lot of different ways. And uh, it's more than just this is good, this is bad. Um, but at the same time, I do think a lot needs to be said about um, people who, anyone who can just get on the internet, have a blog, and then say, look, I'm a critic. And it's sort of like advanced trolling in a lot of ways with some of these <laughs> people. So I think what it says is is good. I do think it's a little bit of an oversimplification, but I also don't think he was criticizing that type of criticism. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's, it's, I don't think it necessarily strips a criticism of all meaning. It's just, it's just making the point it needs to make. It doesn't also need to say, yeah, but it still has also has value. I think that's, I think that kind of is inherent in the fact that this takes the form of a review. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. another good, a good, very good use of that. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a review about how reviews are bad, but by the fact that it is a review also gives reviews um, value. That was very Joss Whedon of them. <laughs> very Joss Whedon of them. Yeah. Okay, so 
I don't want to try to speak for you here, so I'll phrase this in terms of me, and you can tell me if you relate to it, okay? So, right. so I just talked about how much this is incredibly meaningful to me, and how much this like maybe this ending has maybe more value than almost any other movie I've seen. And at the same time, right before that, we talked about how this movie is also very male centric, and um, it's it's there's like one female character, and it's not necessarily blatantly sex and sexist, but it's kind of. Um, uh, passively passively and uh, there's another word i'm looking for but let's just say passively sexist uh latently sexist nah not that but we don't need to <laughs> we don't need to guess at synonyms um synonyms. no synonyms um, thesaurus.com no the thesaurus.com but uh so like this is like something that's in a message that's incredibly meaningful to me tied with um it not being something that's one of the the most things that's one of the things that's maybe the most important to me social issues wise um it's uh, the equality of gender genders and gender roles and stuff like that and it's it's this weird this movie presents this weird dichotomy that is often um that is often present in in media i find meaningful to me is that um it's it's great and i connect with it but at the same time it really it's it's it kind of breaks this number one issue to me. It's male dominated. There's there, and it's kind of just sexist on its own. And how do I deal with this? Right. Yeah. And, Especially when he's saying, when he, when he has his monologue at the end and he's saying great artists can come from anywhere. And it's sort of brushing aside completely this sort of plot point. They put at the beginning that Colette's trying to work her way up in a male dominated, uh, profession and that could have easily been worked in that could have been that could have been one of the points as well and also it's just this is like a male critic talking about a male a male depicted rat um controlling a male human um working at a restaurant with a male with a deceased male chef right it's Mm -hmm. it's just all this revelation is about that so how do i like it's like personally um Personally, I like super connect with any female centric feminist m- media work that is also me- meaningful somewhat to me. That just hits home really hard for me. But for this, it's like something that actually did, which like the meaning transcended this frustrations that I have with it. Um, and it's like, should I try to temper those because uh, it's it's so male centric? Should in and even if this is something that's not as important uh, to you, the listener, not to Mel, but it's even if it's some, even if um, feminism isn't your number one social issue, it's which it should be up there. But like you know, it, but it, it's even if that's not like how do you how do you merge your connection with something with also something else you care about, which didn't necessarily like permeate that reaction you had to it. I don't know. This is very high level stuff. No, I under, no, I understand what you're yeah. saying is how, how do you say this film is profound and, and speaking, uh, saying great things, but at the same time, ignoring the fact that it's still only males talking to males about males yeah, and that women are still sort of, and other minority groups are kind of not, not actively not included, but sort of not included by omission from this sort of great sentiment about, creation and, and artistry and filmmaking yeah so i don't know how do you how do you personally deal with this i mean i do <laughs> i spent 22 years dealing with it <laughs> um no and that's the thing like i look at colette and i look at the way she's portrayed and i'm like on the one hand yeah that's great at the same time i'm like you're trying too hard and you're not you're trying too hard to say this is a 
strong female character and this is what a strong female character looks like and when she's surrounded by guys it just feels to me like men are saying to me this is what a strong female character looks like in film and it's that they just they had they have the one you know it's always just the one token female in the background and it's like yeah we have female presence and it's like well not quite and yeah it does kind of suck that you've got this great monologue about how a rat can cook and a rat can can be considered a great artist and it's shown from the very beginning that Colette's been, like, we, we sort of have in Medias Rays with her where she's starting out, you know, trying to climb her way up, trying to be recognized in her own right as a good chef. And it doesn't really happen because Remy's story takes um, <clears throat> precedence. And Remy's story is the one that's getting the nice monologue at the end about, about artistry and not hers. So to me, that kind of isn't great to see. Um, I like that she's present. I like that she is someone who is respected in her field at where she is right now. But it would have been nice to see more of a story for her. Meow. This cat. <laughs> more than more than specifics about this movie, though. Like, I don't know. This is maybe too personal to try what, to, in, to in try life? to answer. It, like, in life, when you have this incredible, this incredible reaction to a piece of media, but this media is made by a man, like, for men, for men. Like, how do should you taper, temp, temper, I, I always screw this word choice up, your reaction to that? Should it affect how you think? Does it affect how you think? It does affect him, I think, a, a bit, yeah. I mean, it's just naturally sort of because the majority of the filmmaking community is male. So they're the ones who are trying to tell these stories about women, and it's not necessarily something I want to see. It's not to say that male writers and male filmmakers don't have an opinion and don't have vested interest in um, this topic and this sort of uh, struggle towards gender equality, but... Do you think it, it has, do you think it has lessened your reaction to this film? It's hard to know for sure because it's an instinct it's not something that you're you're deciding, right? Yeah, no. Instinctually, like I do react strongly to this film. Um, but when I sit down and think about it, yeah, like that like when I was watching it today like yeah, the depiction of Colette kind of bugged me a lot. So, yeah, I mean, I even mean more than I mean more than Colette. You know, like I, I'm talking. Yeah, I know like, in life. So, like, well, I guess I'm not example... not nec- like in this movie. I'm t- not necessarily talking like I'm talking about like it being all males with with regards to this emotional ending. It's just all males. I'm not necessarily the lack of Colette specifically. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the lack of sort of females in general as well. Yeah. And, the fact that the yeah. entire cast is male. And then do you think that this, so for me, like, I feel like I react strongly to this in spite of the fact that while the movie's going on earlier, I do think about the gender depictions in this movie. And again, not that this movie is the most blatantly sexist thing, but it is um, male centric. And do you think this, this means that I'm not um, intrinsically uh, valuing feminism in media, um, like highly enough? Do you think it, do you think that that some intrinsic element of myself is not matching uh, my conscious thought about this issue. Like, I, I know this is very, <laughs> this is very, these, you're, you're this, just like you're on the couch. <laughs> these are very high level questions, but no, I think this is the perfect movie to talk about this with. Like, yeah. do you think it devalues um, myself, me, me claiming that feminism is such I an important think, issue? No, I think what it is, it's just, it's the product of, of the environment. I mean, you're saturated and you being like the general you like everyone is saturated with these types of things and you know like what was it the year i think it was 2011 it was 75 percent of speaking roles in film went to males and it's the fact that that's that's what you're taught to see and that's whose stories you're taught to follow so 
you've got these great sort of like if you look at Ratatouille or something else, you've got these great stories about sort of underdogs and overcoming obstacles. And you want to react to that because you say, yes, this is a good story. That's something I want to relate to. Latently, though, you think about it and it's like, well, why did it have to be about guys talking to guys about things that guys should do? And it's all about men. And it's it 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 does suck to realize, well, maybe I've been watching films wrong. Maybe I'm still kind of reacting to it wrong, but it's not something you can just switch off either because it's like encoded in our, in our brains at this point for, for how we watch media and read books and that sort of thing. So should you feel bad about it? No, like, because you recognize it. you should feel bad about it. If you're defending the idea that males are, are, heroes and and the stories we should be telling like yes absolutely don't be doing that but if you're consciously looking at it and saying well now i'm seeing this and it's not as great and i don't want it to to hinder the way i i view this and i'm afraid that it's it's not hindering it enough like i think thinking about that at all and and talking about it is is enough um and the only way we're going to get over all of that is more women in in filmmaking so so you're saying so this is this is actually i think we've arrived at something that i wasn't i didn't necessarily hadn't necessarily concluded for myself which is great uh so you're saying because just male centric depictions in our media is so pervasive and i was kind of thinking it's uh, is as a male am i is does this say something about me underneath but you're saying just for it or this applies to everyone because this is what we're used to consuming yeah um and you're saying like just because this is the way it is this is like ingrained in the way we've um we've uh grown up like viewing media and it's we're going it's possible we're just going to react stronger maybe even more strongly or just we're going to react in general two things with these male centric depictions because that's what we've been um been consuming all this time yeah interesting interesting tidbit about that and the fact that it is just everyone is the first time i read a a book that was a book series like a fantasy series that wasn't male dominated it was um his dark materials um better known as the golden compass uh in the u.s but the the character in that is the point of view character is female and i remember thinking to myself i was like 14 years old thinking wow why would he choose a female character and then asking myself wait why did i ask why would he choose a female character and realizing that these stories you know sort of heroic or or overcoming obstacle stories are male coded like you think about a protagonist you think about a hero the first thought is usually always a dude and it's <clears throat> It's, it's something that sh- that is pervasive everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. if you just think about any sort of type of story, if you sit down and think about protagonists, it's usually always guys. So, yeah, um, yeah. Do you think that? Um, do you think that we're re- going to react because of this um, inherent? Um, con- because of this, like, I think we're kind of you're presenting this like a nurture um depiction yeah. of media right this from yeah. like a nature nurture perspective do you think that because of this um male centric nurtured um consumption uh that we're going to react more strongly to meaningful um things presented with male with a male viewpoint or do you think that we're just naturally going to react to those and it can't be tempered by all the other um social uh care social cognizant parts of us 
So you're, what do you mean? Do you think it's going to be more meaningful because it's male-centric, because that's just the way we've been consuming media? Or do you think it's just that we can't prevent ourselves from... Um, it's not necessarily that it's going to be more meaningful than a female-centric one would be, but we can't temper the reaction, taper the reaction... Again, I taper, temper, I don't know, to, <laughs> to the, uh, to the uh, male-centric uh, like, uh, revelation, like good uh, depiction thing. I don't know. I lost. I mean, it again, I think but. yeah. So I think it, if I if I'm understanding you correctly, I don't think you can really control that. Do you think no. it's going to be a stronger reaction for men, or do you think it's just going to you be that you can't control the reaction? I think you can't control the reaction, okay. but I also do think there might be an element of guys mm-hmm. sort of looking um, at films about guys and thinking, "Yeah, that's great." Looking at films, same maybe same exact plot about a woman and thinking oh that's a chick flick well yeah but well now we're getting back into the um the is it me is it me versus me rather than you um feeling this way then um no, no like i before... think no i think we we start out feeling that way a lot because again like it's just it's saturated so yes i think it's everyone okay yeah so okay so i think that um yeah, I can. I so. I, I mean, I'm not gonna like. I, I can't like disagree or agree. I don't know. Like this is, this is stuff that um, that I don't know for sure. This is stuff that I've not thought about uh, significantly. Basically, uh, I, I do like what you're saying about the um, like the ingrained. Um, I I respond very well to nurture arguments. I'm a very much a uh, n- uh, not a nativist. Uh, but it, it it's saying that we. Uh, that we like can't control in a, on a base level um, reactions to male centric things. Do you think, and I, and I think that that makes a lot of sense and I will, I think I just basically accept what you're saying about that. Uh, yeah. Do you think this can ever, <laughs> I think it's very, it's like the first time in I think 10 years. I've that... said, I, I said this recently too. I'm like, I'm just going to take what Mel's saying at face value. And you were like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you think that uh, this is something that can change? Um, I us. think it, yeah, no, it very much is. It's this, you, you create different narratives and you create different stories that have different types of protagonists. And obviously now, like someone like you and me and generations here now, I think it's a little bit too late to, to fight that basic. Do you, um, do you think it's too late for us? For us? I mean, possibly just because sort of like theories of Kant's block, box apply and you're not going to be able to fight something that ingrained in your brain but if you've got like a three-year-old kid and show them like i don't know something like brave and not that that's a great movie but <laughs> female representation or or other female heroic films or like some future version someone writes of a fantasy novel like harry potter that's all about females then they'll start to learn that you know it doesn't have to be a male story and you don't have to code these stories as any gender. Yeah. So I think for, for people like us, we we're past the point where we can control that reaction. What we can control now is how we sort of react to our reaction. Do, do you, okay. So, so yeah, I mean, it, regard, it, it maybe we can, maybe it can change. It can definitely change the younger generation if we're going from a nurture perspective. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the reaction that I like me or you should have to this movie? I think we should say yes, like it's sending a great message because I also don't think the fact that Remy's code is a, as male devalues what he went through mm-hmm. um, and what it's saying at the same time. I think we should also look at it and say, well, why aren't other why why aren't other groups 
giving us this message or receiving this message or included in this message. Like, obviously, yes, it's a rat, but it's a male coded rat. So should, it's yeah. it's a dude telling a dude, yes, you can cook. Like, so. like, should the message have less meaning because it's because it's so male centric or, or should it just be like or should it just be like message star asterisk, you know? Yeah, no. And that's the thing I always struggle with. And this is something I struggled with with boyhood is that, you know, how much of that story gets devalued because it was a white male protagonist. And I, on the one hand, I don't want to devalue anyone's struggle because just because you're in a majority demographic group doesn't mean that things you're going through and sort of pain you might be feeling is 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 frivolous and not important just because you grew up with a certain level of privilege others did not um at the same time you you know it's it's very easy for a guy to tell a guy yes you can go be head chef of something than it is for a guy to tell a girl yes you can be go head chef of something so it's it's like it was easy for, despite the fact that, again, he's a rat, he's coded male, it's easy for Remy to do what he did. It would have been, I think, a much more poignant story and more difficult story if it had been about a female. Okay, so maybe, so maybe what you're saying is like, is like, um, <clears throat> no, it's not less valuable, but maybe it would have been even more valuable. Maybe it would be yeah. more meaningful. Okay. Yeah. And so, like, I, I also want to just draw a distinction between, like, boyhood, which I think we probably saw similarly like boyhood um like i'm saying that like sometimes you react to something like ratatouille and you just and it's you're not going to be able to control your um kind of more of an emotional reaction to it boyhood i didn't look at boyhood and have this revelation and then say oh wait a minute everyone was white and male in that movie so it it doesn't count for me i was like thinking that the entire time it's like wow there's plus you're looking at the title you're like okay boyhood wow but first of all boyhood first of all i'm not connecting to this kid and second and it's like oh wow everyone's white here i was thinking these things throughout the entire movie it's not like i it's not like i was changing my reaction to it at the end that was something so like in terms it's not it's also not like i'm saying that i always um react to things regardless of my social views like no sometimes it just comes into play while you're watching something um and i think that's different from here which is i'm saying is maybe more of a maybe i wasn't actively thinking of um because i think boyhood's a good example neither boyhood nor this are actively anything like they're just boyhood isn't actively sexist but at the same time it's just super um super like privileged or whatever and it's and with this one that and I thought that at some point with this one, this movie, and then it gets set, and then it gets completely set aside for the reaction at the end. Is mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying, and I think, it, and that's in the perspective of it. It does should don't devalue the current um, what you get out of it now, but maybe it would have been more with the other one. Yeah, I think that's. I think that might be true. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not. There's no perfect way to look at it, but that's essentially how I taught myself to view such things mm-hmm. since. You know, that is obviously something that personally I see in every single movie I watch um, is that, yeah, I mean, no one's no one's struggle or story is is less valuable or less important just because there's someone out there who had to struggle a little bit more. What we should be doing is showing those stories of people who had to struggle a little bit more. Yeah. And I I, yeah, I, I just I would really have a hard time saying that um, that I should that I should try to lessen my reaction to this movie no and you shouldn't I, yeah I, yeah i think i think you're fine on that front because we just like before this we spent like a solid 10 20 minutes talking about how the great messages that came from this yeah and i don't think those are diminished you know 
No, like, it's just asterisk, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't I mean I don't know if the specific asterisk it, like like on one hand, yeah, that's like the best way to picture it. But like I, maybe it's maybe it's different. Maybe it's like the message and then the me- the uh, medium that the message was portrayed in and maybe those are two separate things that it's like the message is still there. Maybe the Yeah, so it's like the message is non-gendered, the medium was kind of, I guess. Maybe that's too optimistic to say the message was non-gendered, but I, 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 that's how I want to see it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, it would, it would be hard for me not to see it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, there's a, like a scary cloud outside. No, I don't think that, no. That was, do you, do you think we got there on that? No, on I that think, discussion? I think we did. I mean, I, I think this discussion could could go on for this is obviously a much and larger discussion yeah, yeah, yeah and it's something interesting i think to take out of something like this because that's not something i expected to have this discussion you, you didn't with. think i was gonna go there <laughs> with this. <laughs> but um i think it sets up nicely for other things um especially in films like uh, the incredibles um where you've got a lot more female presence yeah, but again even it's though still the, about the incredible still, still a male-centric girl yeah so <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't expect to go to go as deep as we did, but I did expect to connect to the <laughs> these two things. I didn't know we'd go there though. I think that was honestly, I think that's deeper than I've been on a on a personal thinking level about that, um, which is rarely nice. happens because I'm just in my head all the time, so I don't know. Nice. So cool. Um, I, <laughs> let me know what you thought of that, guys. Because <laughs> through it, yeah, I don't know. Did what do you what do you think of this? Well, so like, let me know what you think of literally what we said, right? Like, do you think we're right? Um, but at the same time, also let me know about these type of discussions on the podcast because <laughs> that's interesting too. <laughs> a lot of people, I think, really love um, loved our previous podcast and this podcast for these types of discussions, and this might have been the most in depth one ever. So that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. On Ratatouille. Yeah, on Ratatouille. I mean, I think it's the perfect movie to talk about this for. Like, I think yeah. it's the movie to talk. And we got into it a little bit with Wally, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like, would we have even gotten here if we didn't go Wally into Ratatouille, right? Like, maybe that's the perfect See, way. See, I, I had it. a plan when I randomly. <laughs> yeah, you had a plan. Okay. Couldn't spell Ratatouille. <laughs> the movie's poster has the pronunciation of I... Ratatouille on it. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm never going to spell this word right. I'll have to spell check before I put the podcast out. But so, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> Going back to the specific movie for a second. Um, so overall, um, I don't know if you want to like. I don't know. To me, it's like a nine point eight or a nine point nine, and it's yeah. like this. I th- I would as I'm remaking my Pixar list. This is still number two for me. Where is it for you? Um, it's. I'm trying to. Th- I, I don't list as like strictly yeah. as you do. Well, so it, I'm trying to remember. So be like, it's probably in my top five, if not my six. Like it's it's. It's up there. It was another that and Wally were like because those came out kind of close to each other. Were like two movies that literally I just came home mm-hmm. from school and watched. Like because I I'm someone who like watches movies eighteen hundred times. Um, so it was I loved it a lot and I still do like it a lot and I like now that we can have these discussions about it. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's definitely in the top five or just outside of it. Okay. I have to so formalize he, a list. Here's a here's a question because we we we're kind of we seem to be in agreement on Ratatouille basically for what we're talking about. Yeah. But for Inside Out, we're kind of on different sides of Inside Out. Yeah. And like I feel like you took a lot of meaningful things away from Inside Out, whereas I really only for like a few seconds. Like to me, I look at Ratatouille and I look at Inside Out, and Ratatouille had was I had such more of a, like a visceral reaction to mm-hmm. the messages from that. Are, are they on the same level for you? Um. 
Because like I don't I don't think like you could you could say that I think that they're similar quality movies, whereas the message in Ratatouille was was stronger. Not I'm not saying you should yeah. say that, but that's also that. Like, yeah, no, that's an argument you can make. Yeah, yeah, no, I I I, I do I think I like Inside Out better than Ratatouille, um, and I still connect with that um, sort of message in Inside Out a little bit more than Ratatouille, even though Ratatouille was probably more specifically geared at someone like me, um, but. Yeah, I mean, and it's also interesting because I think that Inside Out was kind of towing a line as to being way too obvious. Um, And I think the uh, premise and the context made it seem like it would be way too in your face, but it managed to not be. Um, So I think I'd have to look at sort of the layers of execution that these two movies have with their messages because Ratatouille's kind of comes a little bit, not necessarily out of left field, but it's something you didn't expect yeah. them to say at the end. Inside Out, it's there the entire time. Yeah, Inside Out, I was ex- I was expecting messages on depression like the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. So it's I'd have to I'd have to look at sort of how narratively those messages get sent across. But these are all I'm just still, like yeah. I'm still partial to Inside Out. Okay, yeah, and like and like I said, you can quality of movie can be different from. Um, take yeah. homes from it yeah uh they're also just so so different um yeah like no. the, like this is talking about kind of a social um like artistic aspect and inside out is talking about a very psychological thing yeah. um pixar hitting on all facets of life <laughs> in take homes for no Continue. but seriously but seriously it's like it, it really is though yeah and last one talked about social response. While he talked about it's like social responsibility, environmentalism, corporationism, stuff like that. Oh, well, we covered the entire map of of the earth. And of the so, earth, yeah, in and terms of, lives, of what of social issues you can find. Yeah. What does finding Nemo have? Well, we'll have to rewatch Single it and then talk about stuff, that. Probably. Yeah, family stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Boom. Unconventional yeah. family. Yeah. Okay. Modern family. <laughs> one might say. No. Well, well, no. No, we'll no. discuss. We'll discuss Finding Nemo. <laughs> That's one I've seen so many times, and like, I don't know. Do that because that was the one they just always showed at school when there yeah. was like a teacher or substitute teacher, you know. So I, don't know. I still remember the first trailer for that too. With the uh, that's the a little too. I think that's a little too far back for me. No, I remember it. Oh man, good memory. Oh yeah. Okay, that's all. <laughs> that's all for this week. This was a draining one. I'm <clears throat> Dylan Heisen. This is Melanie Moore. Where can we find more of your stuff, Mel? Uh, Twitter at Melmoy, Tumblr, themelmoy.tumblr.com. Um, and then I post articles on things that I watch and have opinions on on blackprint.com, spelled B L V C K print.com, which yeah. <laughs> Jeff has <laughs> for me has a scrolling issue. <laughs> I won't comment on that. And I'm. Yeah. <laughs> Dylan underscore OVA on Twitter and Dylan OVA on Tumblr. Tell d- tell me your reactions to this one. I'm interested. If you got through it. Personally, this is this was great for me. This is like what Toon I want. Toongal, I know you're out there. No, like, I, yeah, Toongal and Associated people. Yeah, like, it's, to, to me, this is like exactly what I want to be talking about with these. Yeah. Um, but we'll see how other, how other most I'm, I'm not going to say our Steven Universe episode reaction podcasts are going to be like this deep, you know, like this is. Maybe this is just the best medium for it. I also think this wouldn't happen if it wasn't just a one-on-one podcast, yeah, which is and, why I'm kind of, which is why I've been just specifically wanting to do these. I also think it, it works because we're not reviewing anything. I think in those Steven Universe ones, you're going to have to balance reviewing episodes with talking about them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is just retrospective completely. So I think it lends itself 
a lot to these kind of discussions. Actually, yeah, that's true. I think we did we did really hit on the retrospective part of it because we just we just talked about our reaction to the movie and it led into this uh, other discussion based on mm-hmm. that, which I think is what we we should be going for. Cool. Yep. All right. <clears throat> um, overlyanimated.com links to all of all of our stuff. Um, one last thing, guys, that I'm starting into the end of this podcast. We just launched our Patreon, and I'm very excited. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can you can just check us out on Patreon.com slash Overly Animated, and we'd really appreciate any support you can give us here. Thank you. That's going to about do it. We'll get on to the other Pixar movies uh, soon, maybe. I feel like we're doing too many of them. In, um, <laughs> we need to back the, off. <laughs> yeah, but there, there's new, not new episodes for the ones we're going to cover yet, so we're trying to fill until um, yeah. July 13th. But, yeah. Hi. Uh, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.